1: Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlake, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. We're here to talk about Jesus and about the journey. Many today are dropping out of church. they're not attending anywhere even though they love Jesus Christ. They've simply gotten tired of the programs. They've gotten tired of the of the lectures. They've gotten tired of hearing the same thing over and over. Today I'd like to just lay down some markers. Let's be really clear about what is the essential that we need. And of course, I would quickly say the essential is Jesus Christ. But let's be much more specific than that. What are the the absolute essentials for us to be in a healthy, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one, you must have an established knowledge of God's truth. In other words, Christianity requires a certain amount of information to begin to understand all that God has done for us it's necessary that we understand that information, or we would call it perhaps doctrine, so that we understand who we are and who God is. And we understand our position with Him, and then we understand the overall understanding of the everlasting covenant. In our Bibles, we have the old cut, old covenant, and the new cut or the new covenant. That's what covenant means. It means cut. And so you have a Bible with an Old and New Testament or an Old and New Covenant. The new covenant is known as the everlasting covenant. It stretches from before time began for this earth until eternity. There will be no end of the everlasting covenant. Now, you need a certain amount of intellectual understanding to just come to know your position and what you can do to change that position. It's a work the Holy Spirit does in us. He calls us out of darkness into the light. But some of you think that darkness is light and light is darkness. You have to come to the scriptures and begin to understand the basic framework of the Christian faith. Now, this is true of any religious organization you're going to belong to if you are a Hindu. You must understand their worldview and what the requirements are. A Muslim, the same thing. You must understand their worldview and the expectations that they have. Am I saying that all religions are equal? No. I'm saying that all religion requires a certain amount of understanding to be able to judge each one on its own merits and to be able to determine what is my relationship with God. Now, all religions lead to the same place. That is all religions lead to the judgment bar of God. There will be a day when every person from every religion or even those who are pagans will have to come before the judgment bar of God and he will judge according to his rule whether you enter into hell or whether you enter into eternity with him in heaven. So there must be an established knowledge of God. Now, it can be a very simple knowledge. It can be as simple as you knowing, in reality, your sin, that Jesus came and he was God, and he laid his life down for you, And if you will receive the atonement of His blood to cover your sin, then He is willing to make you righteous, to transform your life and to change you into His likeness. And He is willing to adopt you as His son and daughter. And then you can go from that into a much further exploration of each aspect of this salvation. First there is the milk, and then there is the meat, and the meat has to do with righteousness. So there is, first of all, a necessity of your reading the Scriptures, of your finding out for yourself what the basic parameters are of this gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there is a necessity for you to be in church because faith comes by hearing the Word. You need to be sitting with a pastor or a teacher who understands the deep things of God and who can open those things for you that you might quickly advance, that you might be of use in the kingdom of heaven. Now secondly, you must have a heart set in the right direction. You must have a heart that has recognized its condition and you are now crying out and saying, Oh God, I have to change. I can't continue walking this way. There must be a heart absolutely set in the right direction. The gospel is not primarily an intellectual understanding. It is not primarily agreement with the basic doctrines of Scripture. Doctrines are merely the path that lead us into the depths of Jesus Christ. So we need an established knowledge of God of the doctrine of God, of the ways of God, of the truth. And then we must have a heart that is set in the right direction. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. He calls upon us. He confronts us. He convicts us. And we submit to that. We submit to that work of the Holy Spirit and say, wherever you want to take me, Jesus, I am on my way. Now third, you must renounce those sins that lie next to your heart. You must renounce those sins that lie next to your heart. The knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot save you. The devil has the full knowledge of the gospel of Jesus. He knows the Scriptures backwards and forward. He can quote any text he chooses. He has memorized all of Scripture. But he is not saved. First, because he refuses to set his heart in the right direction. And this has been true from the time of the Garden of Eden, the rebellion prior to that in heaven. And then he has utterly refused to renounce his sin, particularly the sin that lies next to his heart. Now, four, if you are going to be strong in the Lord, if you are going to walk with Jesus, you are going to have to conform your life to Jesus Christ. He is not going to conform His life to you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you must make the decision that you will allow the Holy Spirit, you will agree with God that your life should be conformed to Jesus Christ, that you should be made in the image of Jesus Christ, now this is going to take a great deal of hammering and chiseling on your life. The initial decision, however, to utterly renounce all sin is one that is quickly made. It can be made in a in a moment, or it may take some people a matter of months, weeks, days, to pray through and finally say, okay, I'm done with sin. Now, Lord, teach me the knowledge of God. Teach me the way of salvation. Teach me, unfold for me the ways of God. I've been walking with Jesus now for many, many years. But I am still working in the area of discernment and understanding, and the depth of Scripture keeps unfolding, and I have not even begun to plumb its depths. In Jesus Christ are hidden all of the mysteries of God. All science, all philosophy, all mathematics, every secret of the universe is found in Jesus Christ. Because according to the scriptures, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, uh, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. In all of these places, it is very clear that Jesus Christ is God. And not only is he God, he is the creator God. So that when the scriptures say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's saying, in the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. He was not called Jesus then. All of the names of God that we have are names that were granted to us to understand a piece of his salvation work on our behalf. Jesus, he saves his people. Jesus is simply a description of what God does for us. None of us truly know the name of God. It's beyond us. It's too wonderful. We know many names of God, El Shaddai, and many other names. They're all descriptions of the work that Jesus does for us in salvation. And so I believe that all of the appearances of God, like at Mount Sinai, were in reality the one we know today as Jesus, Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's necessary then for us to understand the Scriptures, to read them, And to be brought into a place where we will be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 26, Therefore I do not run like a man, running aimlessly. Paul described this journey as running, as running a race, as running. There is a distance to be covered. That's why we call this broadcast Pilgrim's Progress. And one of my favorite questions to ask of a fellow traveler is tell me, what victories have you had this week? What defeats have you had this week? And also, describe how you were aided by the Holy Spirit. What did God do for you? Now, if we simply took those three questions every week to church and spent the whole time with no sermon, but simply talking about those three questions, we would find it a very profitable time. We can't do that, however, because there are many who need a deeper understanding of the basic framework of the gospel of Jesus Christ but we need to look for opportunities when we can talk with one another and share with one another the answers to these questions. Paul says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He compares this to a race where all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. But he says run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games does, uh, goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will last. But we get a crown that will last forever. And in this case, not just one person can win the race. We're all called to run, and we can all win if we have that basic understanding of what the gospel is about, and if we set our heart in the right direction, and we renounce the sins that lay close to our heart, and we allow our whole lives to be conformed to Jesus Christ, then we will enter into that heavenly abode. It is the work of the Spirit to conform our life. Our part is to confess our sins, to repent, to lay aside those things that lie close to our heart, those questionable items. Our part is to trust in Jesus as he works out this salvation in our lives and we've been talking this week about Moses and about the children of Israel and the red sea these things are of great importance they occurred i read for you again 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. In other words, this story of Moses that I'm sharing with you from the Old Covenant is of vital importance to you to identify for you the ways of God so that you will not act as they did and die in your desert. Now, as these million-plus people pass through the Red Sea. They don't understand what's happening. You see, they have escaped the slavery of Egypt, and the first thing God does with them is he leads them into the desert, into the wilderness. When you come to Jesus Christ, the first thing he's going to do with you is lead you into the wilderness. Now there will be many other people in the wilderness, as one person called them, wilderness people. They are not the ones you are to pay attention to. You are to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. They will do all they can to entice you, or the Lord may even have them help you in the journey some will be hostile, and some will be friendly. I remember when I graduated from seminary and I was sent to my first church district. It was in western Pennsylvania, Dubois, Clearfield, and Putneyville, a 200-mile round circuit. I was the circuit-riding pastor. I went into that district absolutely innocent. But I quickly discovered every church had its tension and its pressure, and I soon became so eaten up with anxiety that I could not function. I was so tied up in knots, literally, that one shoulder was down and one shoulder was up. And I began to look like an old man, wizened and bent. One woman in the church, a masseuse came to me and my wife, and she said, Pastor, if you don't learn to to deal with this anxiety, you're going to die as a pastor. You'll die young. And she said, I've seen this happen to many other pastors, and they finally leave the ministry because they can't handle the anxiety. As a young pastor, I wanted to please everyone in the church. I wanted to speak to everyone for every worship service, and so I would stand at the door, and I would shake hands, and people would come through, and some would say very kind things to me, and others would come through. And they would say things like, Pastor, you need to spend more time preparing your sermon. That was boring today. They would say all kinds of things. And they would gossip. And they would argue. And I tried as hard as I could to please them. And I would go and sit by the hours in their homes and listen as they railed against this brother or that brother. I became so discouraged in that congregation after about a year that I said, I've got to get out of here. And I spoke with my my bishop and I was transferred to another church. As I look back on that experience, I recognized that emotionally I was unprepared for the war that was going to erupt. And now looking back, I recognized that I was much of the cause of that war. Because I thought it was about pleasing everyone. As I grew in ministry, I more and more saw the reality that it was not about pleasing anybody except Jesus Christ. It was about speaking the truth in love and letting it lay, and some would move forward in their understanding of who Jesus is, some would conform their life to Jesus, and others would be angry and leave. And I quickly found that that was not my responsibility. It was my responsibility to love with all of my heart my precious people as I do you who listen. But it was not my job to keep them happy. It was my job to keep them holy. And so I later, through painful trial, learned that I should only lift up Jesus Christ. And then I found that wonderful passage of Scripture where Paul says, I came among you, to know only Jesus Christ. So the children of Israel come out between those huge stacked waves of water. And the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea they were baptized into the law. They had to learn God's ways. Now, as they crossed and the Egyptians were destroyed, they sang the song of Moses and the Lamb. But now, as they emerge from this place, I said to you a moment ago, they had no idea what they were walking into. If they had, they probably would have turned back and gone to Egypt. They'd already talked about that. Let me read it for you. This is found in Exodus, the 15th chapter, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. The first thing that happens when a person decides they are going to follow Jesus, they're going to walk with him. The Lord God of heaven will make provision. He will deliver them from their slavery. He will deliver them from their sins. He will rescue them in his mighty power. He will claim them as his own. And then he'll take us into a desert. He'll take us into a desert where we must face the reality of our human condition. He will take us to a place of trial. to a place that will expose our hearts. Now, God has a difficult time getting a handle on our lives. Some of you are so slippery that God has not been able to get a handle on you, and he's finally just let you go your way with your sin. There has to be something in our heart. That's why I said a moment ago, you must have a heart set in the right direction. When our heart is set in the right direction and we want something from God, then He can begin to get a handle upon us. The way He dealt with the children of Israel is He walked them through the Red Sea, the Red Sea closed behind them, And now they cannot escape the presence of God. They cannot go back to Egypt. If they try to go back to Egypt, they cannot open the Red Sea. And if they try to go back to Egypt, they cannot walk safely from where they are to Egypt. They would first die for lack of water and food. They are trapped in the desert. In other words, God wants to have us in a place where we cannot deliver ourselves. I know, some of you think that's awful. Some of you want very much to be in charge of your life. And you'd like to add a little sprinkle of Jesus on your life. God doesn't work that way. The Lord God of heaven wants to walk you into a place where you're in a desert and where you finally run out of water to drink, whether that's in your job, whether that's in your family, whether it's with sickness, whether it's conflict. God wants to allow the circumstances to be created such that you will suddenly know that something must change or you're going to die he's taken this slave people out of the bondage of egypt but now he must teach them the ways and the culture of god now he must teach them not the culture of the egyptians that must be stripped out and may i be very blunt with you please the culture of america must be stripped out of your heart if your heart is for the professional sports if your heart is for all of the things of entertainment, if your heart is for the job and making money and getting ahead, and your whole life is about living a comfortable life, that's the comfort and the culture of America. And Jesus has to begin now, if you're going to be a true follower of his, to strip all of these things out of your heart because they grieve and block the Holy Spirit from being able to conform your life to Jesus Christ. What you read, what you look at on the television, what your thoughts are through the day, what your goals are, if these are conforming with the goals of this world and of American culture, this is what must be stripped out of you and replaced with a new understanding of who God is and what He wants to accomplish in your heart. They're now in the desert. They cannot escape. They go joyfully. I can imagine with singing and dancing, they go out into that desert, but each day passes and they don't find any water and their livestock is beginning to suffer, and the water that they're carrying with them is beginning to run out and be brackish. They need fresh water. And they recognize three days without water and you will die. Well, they had water they were carrying with them, but that soon was exhausted as they cared for their families and as they cared for their livestock. And after three days, they finally come to a place called Mara. But they could not drink the water because it was bitter. Please, this is a way of God. He will bring us through and it looks like, okay, now we're taken care of. And then you go to it and the water is bitter or it's stolen away from you. You lose what you think you had that would save you. And the people begin to grumble. They begin to complain. And they're saying to Moses, What are we to drink? Come on. We've got we've to have good water to drink or we're going to die in this desert. Part of what you have to understand, please, my brother, my sister, what we're dealing with here and why I spend so much time to come and talk with you about this is that this journey is a life-and-death journey, and it requires the very finest of your energies and your thoughts. It requires your time. It requires your money. It will take everything you have to make heaven. You cannot coast into heaven. It is a wake-up time to search after Jesus. You're not going to coast in on some pleasant little story. You're not going to get there without... Great cost. Sometimes I say, we have to have truth in advertising. If I'm to say to you, oh, my brother, my sister, come and receive Jesus as your Lord and your life is going to be wonderful, I'm lying to you. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your life is going to be destroyed as far as American culture is concerned. You're not going to have that wonderful life in Jesus. When we come to Jesus, our life is transformed into his likeness, and now everything about our life is the kingdom of Jesus. Everything about our concern is how do I advance the kingdom of God, not how can I use the kingdom of God to comfort myself in my pursuit of my own goals and my own wickedness. You know, everything you see today, from the movies that are coming out, the slaughter and mayhem on every hand, the circus and bread, the professional sports, all of the hobbies. As I shared with you earlier, visiting a dear brother who listens to this broadcast, visiting him in the nursing home and watching as they dance and sing and do everything they can to keep everybody numb while they wait to die. I want to go in and say, My dear brothers and sisters, don't you understand? You're dying. Are you saved? Is your life conformed to the life of Jesus? There's nothing like getting old to see who you really are. Remember as my mother was in the nursing home, sitting with her and holding her hand, as she grumbled and grumbled and grumbled. And I finally had to very gently say to her mother, You must decide what you are to become. You can become a bitter old woman laying in a nursing home waiting to die because you're either going to get bitter or you're going to get better. Or you can minister the name of Jesus to every nurse that walks into this room. You can show the glory of Jesus in your face regardless of your pain. You must choose to conform your life to darkness and grumbling or to the light of Jesus and glorify his name. Each of us have to make that choice. Right now you may have enough latitude that you don't have uncovered the true nature of your spirit. But believe me, in time you'll grow old. And then what will your conversation be? An organ recital of all of your doctor appointments? Or will your conversation be a praise to Jesus, an eagerness looking forward to His coming, an eagerness because you know soon the journey will be finished on this earth and you're going to be with Jesus in heaven? What is your conversation? You cannot live wrong and die right. You cannot live wrong and die right. So God is now in the process of conforming this ragtag million plus people with a slave mentality, with a sense of entitlement. He's going to take this people and begin the process of transforming them into his own likeness. And to do that, he runs them out of water. And they grumble. And Moses begins to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord shows him a piece of wood. You know, many years earlier, Jesus had to prepare a tree in that place or cause someone to dump that wood. And now that piece of wood is there it will one day become the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a type, an antitype. The Lord says to him, throw the piece of wood into the water. And as soon as he does so, the water becomes sweet. Suddenly a miracle occurs before their eyes, and that which is bitter becomes sweet. My brother and my sister, that thing which is bitter to you today, when Jesus is added to it, will become sweet. And today you have the knowledge, you have listened to this broadcast, you have read the scriptures, you have the ability today to put Jesus into whatever bitter circumstances you're facing, and those circumstances will become sweet to your mouth and to your heart and to your mind, to your spirit. And in the midst of that painful, painful circumstance, as Jesus enters into it, you will lift your hands in praise and worship, and you will say, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I praise his name today. I glorify his name today. I'm going to open quickly our phone lines, and if you'd like to call, you're welcome to. I'd be happy to talk with you and pray with you about this issue. You may today find yourself in very, very bitter circumstances. You may be hopeless of heart, or you may have just emerged. After having put Jesus into your circumstances and you recognize the glorious presence of Jesus is with you, our phone number in studio right now is eight seven seven five three four zero seven eight zero. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. You're welcome to call eight seven seven five three four Zero seven eight zero now the Lord speaks to them, they are rejoicing, they have resupplied their water, they're rejoicing in the deliverance that God has granted. Everyone is absolutely astonished. All these people have seen frankly is miracle after miracle after miracle of the great love God has for them, and the Lord speaks. And he made a decree and a law for them. And he began to test them. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And they came then to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Always the Lord brings us into very trying circumstances. And in that place he says, Listen to me. Throw the cross into your circumstances. Look to Jesus. And as you look to Jesus Christ, everything is going to change for you. You are going to be refreshed. He is going to change what's happening. He is going to meet your need. And then he is going to say to you, Now listen very carefully. If you'll follow me and you'll do what I say, I will be your healer. And then a key way of God that you must understand. He brings them to a beautiful place to camp. A place of rest. They've gone through this horrendous experience of being birthed out of Egypt. They've been birthed out of Egypt. They've been brought out with great power, but great tension, and they're exhausted. They've crossed through the Red Sea, and now God has brought them to a place of rest. He always does that for us. We have a caller. Welcome, Kevin. What would you like to share? Welcome. What would you like to share? Can
0: you hear me, uh, Pastor Ray? Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, anyway, I just need prayer. I'm in a situation where I'm exactly tempted to do that. We experience some um, uh, just a just a sense of betrayal um, just in our complex that we serve, and we have to be out and uh, you know, as soon as possible. And uh, my wife took sick at the same time. She was hospitalized. And, um, and there's some other things that have gone down, and I just need prayer that I will not take that route. I mean, Jesus is that which makes it sweet. Yes. And I'm going like, Lord God, if there's now a time I have a need of that word, it is right now. Yes. So I just need prayer, my brother. I certainly need prayer that I will do, that I will trust Jesus and not get into my emotions.
1: Let's pray. Amen. Lord, my dear brother has come in very difficult circumstances. But I know that in those difficult circumstances is when you can get a hold of this family's heart and set a direction. You're in the process of testing them. And I pray now in the name of Jesus for their deliverance. We together cast that piece of wood into these circumstances and ask that you would bring out of this very painful time a testimony of such power that you, Jesus, alone are enough, and you have delivered them. Lord, I ask that you look with mercy upon this family and surround them with the arms of love and compassion and deliverance, because that's what you promised you would do. And, Lord, this sickness that is upon my brother's wife I command that in the name of Jesus to depart from her now. God, Lord, I ask that that sickness be gone. You said right here, I am the Lord who heals you. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would heal her right now and strengthen her according to your word. Lord, would you make a way where there is no way? In the desert, there is no way except death. But you, O God, are our refuge, our shelter in the time of storm. You are our Pesach. Lord, this brother and sister, I hide them now under the wing of Jesus for that full deliverance.
0: Thank you, Jesus.
1: And we praise you, Jesus, and I am eager to hear the testimony that you have delivered them.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
1: I pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let me know what Jesus does because he is doing something.
0: Amen. I believe it. I believe it. You know, I I, I just feel like a load's been taken off me already because I I left here kind of juiced up. That's right. (laughs) I left on my way to work kind of juiced up, and that's when I can be uh, tempted. So I just thank God for his word and for your prayer. They've worked together to give me some peace, and I'm heading on down the road trusting God.
1: My brother John, be in touch. You got it. I I love you. Bye-bye. I hope even with the interference you could hear this brother who right now, and would you all just agree with me in prayer that this brother would have the wood of the cross thrown into his circumstances. Mary, would you call back quickly, and I'll be happy to talk with you. And if not, I'll simply pray for you. Do you know what the issue was, Mr. Producer? Okay. Okay, try and check. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. You're welcome to... Okay, welcome, Mary... What would you like to share? What would how could I pray for you?
2: Hi pastor. Hi. You have you have prayed for me before and um I really appreciate it and every time when you pray for me miracles happen and um I'm in a situation now that where my kids and myself we've been attacked by the enemy because um either in sickness or we've been having car issues where where I would get nails in my car, and I think somebody's purposely doing this, setting traps. And this morning, my son's car was keyed, and it was just scratched all around. And it's very frustrating, but I just got off the phone with my son, and I told him, as long as you know that you have God, you know, you shouldn't be getting angry and enlighten the load in your heart not to be angry and upset at people who try to do harm to us. And I, I just wanted to ask for prayers. I'm a single mom of two. My children's father had left four years ago with with somebody that my kids um knew and um I know that this person that he's with hates us terribly and we haven't done anything any harm to anybody. And so I I just wish that the enemy would, would leave us alone.
1: The only way the enemy will leave you alone is if you find a promise in Scripture like Mark eleven twenty-three and 24, and you stand on that promise. You see, the devil won't listen to you, but he will listen to Jesus. So the authority rests in Jesus, and you have the right to go to Jesus and to ask him. Now, there are two parts. There is Psalm 35, which is a warfare prayer, and Psalm 37. And you can use a warfare prayer. On the other hand, Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute
0: you.
2: Yes, I I don't want to have any hate towards that person. Yes. You know, doing this to us. But it's very frustrating because it's costing us money, Costing us time away from school and from work, and
1: whose whose money is it?
2: Well, money that that I lose from work, and money that I need to borrow to repair my cars.
1: No, you're not hearing me. Oh, your money isn't yours. It belongs to Jesus.
2: Yes, yes. The
1: the car belongs to Jesus. Your children belong to Jesus. Yes. Okay, so. Let's pray now. Mighty God, you hear the agony of Mary's heart, the anger of her son who's being misused and abused by having his car keyed. Lord, I'm asking that you would interfere in these circumstances and bring out of them a heart that is peaceful and quiet before you. I ask that the cross of Jesus be cast into the waters of Mary's life and of all the circumstances that surround her. I ask, Lord, that she could know beyond question the peace of Jesus and that she could minister that love to her children. Lord, I pray for a wall of protection to be placed around them, a wall of fire with your holy angels guarding them from the enemy and i ask jesus that you speak to that enemy and rebuke him and say enough stop it lord i ask for your peace and your joy to reign in this family and i ask that you would flow to them the resources from your treasury to cover their needs lord this mother is by herself with two children i know you listen especially to the prayers of mothers as they cry out for their family. Lord, I pray your blessing upon Mary today. Let her see today your deliverance in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mary, let me know what happens. Thank you. All right. God bless you. I'm going to continue praying for you, my sister. Thank you. All right. Bye. we have two minutes of time left just very quickly I invite you to come and worship at the National Prayer Chapel you will find Jesus we're not a church that's big and lots of programs and all kinds of activities you'll find Jesus he's enough for us so if you'd like to come and pray with us and worship with us Come to the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. We rent space from them. It's All Saints Anglican Church located at 14851 Gideon Drive. It's right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. Now, let me also give you our mailing address. It is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 23. 46, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find today's streaming audio and you'll find past broadcasts that you can listen to. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Let Jesus cast the wood of His cross into your life and bring forth sweetness. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.